We are in the, actually it ends up being the third week of a four-week series. Uh, three weeks we'll actually be using the word money um, or resources. The first one was uh, Andrew preached on uh, Abraham. So those of you who are, who, are, who are guests with us today, I want to tell you a couple things. Number one, uh, here's what t- we talked about three weeks or two weeks ago, three Sundays ago. Uh, Andrew Moore was up here and he, and he walked us through Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 is uh, Abraham's call to slaughter, to sacrifice, to offer his son Isaac at the Lord's command. Now that's a strange request. And even Abram thought that. But what he did is he said, you know, he showed us that Abram, before he became Abraham, was willing to leave everything he depended on and everything that he knew and even everyone that he knew to go someplace that God would tell him about later. That's early in his journey. And then God told him when he was very old that he's going to have a child and he has this child and he's waited an entire lifetime for this child. And then God, once this child's probably teen, early teens, a tweener, um, he, God says, now I want you to go hack him up for me. The word was slaughter. And Abram, who's Abraham at that point, goes, okay. Now, we know the end of the story that God didn't actually require of him to slaughter his son, but he did test him. And the question from his call to leave and his call to slaughter his son, the question that God is asking him and continues to ask each of us is, do you trust me? I mean, really? It's kind of like the, the, the existential question we all have in our, if you're married or in your families, um, if, if, you're, if, if you have parents, there, there's always that question. We don't say it out loud. Say it out loud. We, we don't even necessarily articulate it in thought. But in our heart of hearts, this is the question we're asking. Will you be there for me? Really? God's question to us is, will you trust me? Really? Last week, we talked about trusting God with our resources. And the part of our, if, if part of the way that, that God wants, the purpose of the, his, his intent was that now through the church to declare the manifold, this all-encompassing, the multifaceted wisdom of God to the demonic hosts. We're here to fight back darkness. And one of the ways that we get to do that is with our resources. And last, last week, we just said, if every Christian in the United States of America gave one dime off of every dollar they made, the whole world would change. Starvation could be wiped out. Illiteracy could be wiped out. Although in this service, I said literacy could be wiped out. (laughs) It's unthinkable what could happen. But, and that's an easy one to preach and it's an easy one to go, yeah, that would be, wow, how great it would be if God did this. But we can't control what every Christian in the United States does. This week, what would happen if we, here, locally, and if you're a guest, take these things, translate them to your church home, and be an encouragement to your church. There's no guilt intended in this. I will, I will, I will ask you this question again, which I ended with last time, just to get our minds right when hearing the word of God. Would you be harmed, and in what way would you actually suffer? And I don't mean be mildly inconvenienced. I mean harmed or suffer. If you gave to God's work a dime off of every dollar you made. Gross, net, I don't care. I don't care. God does, but I don't care. Would you be harmed or would you actually suffer if you gave a dime off a dollar to the Lord's service? And I admitted last week that, that tithing, tenth, is not a New Testament principle. 
And it wasn't an Old Testament principle either. It wasn't only that. It was first fruits and it was tithing and then it was support of festivals and all that kind of stuff. But in the New Testament, Jesus says, it all belongs to me. Everything I have is entrusted to me by God. Now, he gave me talents and wisdom and ability so that um, I can earn a wage. But then, but even that, if, if even my abilities and the giftedness or, or, or lack thereof that God has given me, if that produces a wage, that comes from him. I didn't come up with my own abilities. He gave them to me. So from a Christian perspective, everything belongs to God. Do we trust him with everything? That's the question. Now, this passage from Paul to the church in Corinth, he's in Macedonia. And just so you know, a little background on it. Um, the church in Corinth had promised support of the church in Macedonia previously. And it's time for Paul to send some folks to make sure that they're going to keep their promises. And so Paul is encouraging them. There's no guilt involved. But he's encouraging them to look at what could happen if... And he reminds them of God's providence, which is just God's provision, God's care, his providing for his people. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to the end of the chapter. And if you want to open up a pew Bible, it's about that far in. If you flip through the top, it'll say 2 Corinthians. Sounds like one of our presidential nominees. Um, my favorite book is 2 Corinthians. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and following. It says this, it's Paul, who was an apostle. He had been a, previously he had been a terrorist going out to kill Christians, and then he had an encounter with Christ, and Christ called him to change his ways, and he became a missionary that took the gospel of Christ to the known world, three, three trips around the known world. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he, meaning God, has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also, or will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I'm going to pause there for a second. The commodity, the income, the currency of that day, they had coins, but coins were, were to pay taxes and that kind of thing. What they did is they traded and bartered uh, they, they, seeds and harvest, planting and harvest, and livestock and children were how you measured wealth. So what Paul is saying here to the church in Corinth that God's the one who gave you the seed that produces the harvest. God's the one who provides all of those things. So the same thing is true for you and me. It's just, unless you work for ZFS, it's not seeds. It's resources. It's wealth. It's gifts. It's talent. It's stuff. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity and, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. 
Because of the service, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accomplishes or that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Now, that's a summary of something else that Paul says. All good things. All good things come. And we are to do the good works that God has created in advance for us to do so that others will see them and not praise us, but praise God. So whatever we do and we do for the Lord, it's not for our glory, it's for his. And we talked last week about the whole world might see, how the whole world might see God differently and Christianity different, Christ differently, if we were generous or at least not mildly, or not more than mildly inconvenienced with a dime off of every dollar. If everyone in the United States did this, every Christian in the United States did this, the whole world would be different. So what it would mean if, if, if we did something different here? If not, not everything that you have coming to the Lord's service, but just a dime off a dollar, the dime off of every dollar, Here's what could happen. I'm going to flood you with statistics. Some of you have your phones. You'll be fact-checking me. I got these from the, um, the uh, United States Census Bureau 2015, except for the median family income that I mentioned as a 2016 number off of a different site. Here's the background. Ottawa County, Michigan, the population in 2015 was 279,955. So that's five people, sh or five people short of 280,000 people. Per capita income, that means that you take all the income produced in that particular county, divide it by every, the number of, of the whole population, that's children and all. It's an average, it, 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 the per capita income is $26,519 per person. Persons in poverty, 8% or 8.6% of that 280,000 population. Median family income. Now this is, you got to go back to eighth grade math class. Median. Mean is average. Total number divided by the number of people. Duh. Median, and this is for family, not household, because some households have several different families. Median is, here's a number that half of the numbers, half of the amount of money that people make, half of the people make more money than that, and half people make less money than that. So that's just, that's the median. The median family, not household, but family income in 2016 in this county was $68,700. So I'm going to do something outrageous and ridiculous, and I know it doesn't apply, but I'm going to just, I'm going to do it anyway so that you see what could be done. There's no way that we're going to get every child to, to give a dime off of dollar of the money their parents make that counts as the per capita income, okay? But here's just what could happen. Per capita income is 20, let's just lower it, let's, 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 let's uh, round it down, $25,000, mainly because it's easier to do math that way. 10% of $25,000 per person would be $2,500 per person per year. There are 2,100 people confessing and baptized members of this church. We added 100 new members, uh, professing members last year alone. 2,100 times 2,500 is $5,250,000 just here. And if you think that's utterly ridiculous, and it probably is, at least it's a pie in the sky kind of thing, uh, Jim Fortney took 
all the family giving, I'll call them units, I don't call families units, but, but giving units of all the consistory and all the staff, he put in all the money that those two groups of people, those two, those two groups of family, kind of all they gave last year and divided it by their number and it averages out to $10,000 per unit per year. So if that is representative of our congregation and you, and you spread it out over 600 giving units, that's $5 million. So this isn't that far off. But let's just round it down. Let's take the smaller of the numbers and just see what God might do. We have 600 families here and the median income, let's round it down from 68.7 down to 65,000 just to make it nice and easy and clear, easy math. 10% of that would be $6,500 per family per year. 600 times 6,500 is $3,900,000. That's approximately 175% of the proposed 2017 annual budget. That's $1,688,000 over and above our annual ministry budget per year. Now, again, I know I'm loading you with statistics. This is supposed to be rah-rah, not guilt-ridden. Just saying if we decided to be mildly inconvenienced but not suffer or be harmed, and each of us decided with gladness in our heart to God to say every dime, uh, dime off of the first dime off of every dollar we're going to give to the Lord's service. And it happened to be that all that money came into this church. Here's what we could do. We could take $122,000 per year and sponsor, and I, because Peru's on my heart right now, this church has no, no presence in South America. $34 a month 300 children, which is the average size of a project down there. We could feed, clothe, lead to Christ, educate, and grow up and change family trees for every child in a village for $122,000 every year. They could have clean water. They wouldn't be dying of dysentery, of Hansen's disease, which is also known as leprosy. They wouldn't have diarrhea. There wouldn't be malaria. We, the, the whole world could change for a whole region of a country. And... $160,000 could fully fund a new church plant or site. A site would be that we decide we're going to have, community church is going to have a presence elsewhere. We're going to send someone like Nate to be that, that lead pastor at that site, but he would still be on staff here and there would still be same core values, same mission statements, that kind of thing, but just in a different location and to try to reach a different group of people. A new plant would be, we, we find a planter and we find some people, we send them off, we fully fund them for a year and go do it, you're on your own. And come back next year and we'll try to help you again. 122,000 feed children, give them potable water, all that kind of stuff. 160,000 would fully fund a new church plant every year. And $55,000 could be used to plant churches in India through Mission India. You remember when Todd Van Eck, the, the executive director of Mission India was here, I believe it was in July, and he told us that, you know, it's like a million dollars per convert in the United States. If you take all the money that goes to every church and, and, and divide it by the number of new Christians, it's like, it's like a million. It's ridiculous. It might be 180,000, but still, it's a ridiculous amount of money. There, it's like 30 bucks. $55,000 could fully fund partnering with Mission India, us and several other churches. Now, here's the thing, and I don't mean this. If you're on the mission team, I'm not coming down on you at all. But I know that when Ty Benek was here and the mission team met, they said, we can't, this is Pastor Kurt's words, I love a double negative, we can't not do this. We must. But then, okay, budget crunch and how much are we going to have to do? And it's 55000 what will we have to cut out and all those kind of things. So they, they, we just, we can't do that right now. 
122,000 sponsored children in Peru, 300 of them. 160,000 new church plant or site every year. $55,000 just every year or once to help church, plant churches in, in India. And another $100,000 could be given to the mission team to seek out new mission support opportunities locally, regionally, and internationally. Now, cool. But there would still be $1,251,000 left over for new ministries here, new facilities here, benevolence here, feed more and more children through hand-to-hand. We could, we could buy all the school supplies for every teacher in the Holland, Zealand area. We could sponsor more campus ministries. We could, we could build a garage and hire two master mechanics to make sure that people whose cars are broken down, they can't afford to put a new tranny in or something like that, and they're going to lose their job, and so they're going to go into poverty. We could fix their cars for them for free and bless them tremendously without ever hurting the ministries local that we currently do by one thin dime. And that's just in the first year. Imagine the leaders we could train, the poverty we could fight, the sex trafficking we could stop, the mission trips we could fund, the people we could help, and the glory to our God that we could offer with an additional $1,251,000 per year. What would, it take, what would it take to do that? One dime off of a dollar. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will reap generously. See, folks, church, people get upset with pastor types. I get it. I do. Because it seems like we just want your money. And I do make a salary from this church, and it's a, it's a good salary. But when you put something in the box... We don't go back in there and say, okay, Lord, anything you want, you keep. Anything that falls down is ours. And these examples that I'm giving are just examples. I don't set policy here. That would be up to the consistory. If we had this kind of, these kind of resources, what could we do? This is just two and a half minutes of brainstorming with staff members. The statistics are real. But here's the thing that, that you charge pastors to do. This is why you call us to minister. We're ministers of word and sacrament. We're never, sub, just like the prophets, the minor prophets and the major prophets in the, in the Old Testament, we're never supposed to be satisfied with good enough because there are more poor, there are more hurting. You know that hospitals got their start because of the Christian idea of hospitality and the healing ministry of Jesus that as people prayed for healing, and they, they might not see always immediate healing, but, but God has ordered the world in such a way that science got to start through the church as well, that we, okay, we can understand some things, and we can, we can invest in things and in research and find a cure for this, 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 and this, polio. It, the, the healing ministry and the compassion ministries all around the world have come primarily through the church of Jesus Christ, not for the benefit of those who give it, but for the benefit of those that God wants to show his love to. Everything we do is for the glory of God. And so we're not trying to tell you, you better do this so that we get more. Our job is to tell you what the scriptures say. And the scripture wants every 
person on this planet to know that there's a God, one true God, who loves them so much he gave everything to come. He did not withhold his son from us, his only son whom he loves. He gave his son willingly, and his son willingly went so that we could have everlasting life. And there are more and more people in this world who do not know that God loves them. And we could, in some small measure, multiply the offerings that God entrusts to us and change a region, begin changing the world because God says, trust me. So do we trust him? There's a place in Malachi, one of the minor prophets, that God says, test me in this. Bring in the tenth and see if I don't open up the storehouses. See if I don't multiply your harvest. I don't want your money because it's not your money. God entrusted you with his. And then he says, do you trust me? So here's my encouragement this morning. So generously. If you sow generously, he will multiply. And he will give you the opportunity to be generous on all occasions. Not my words, Paul's. He had a direct line. I have to go through Lynn. Some of you get that. We just need a little break. God asked Abram, who became Abraham, the founder, really, the, the first forefather of our faith. Abram, will you trust me even with what I promised you? Are you willing to sacrifice the very promise, the hope of humanity, just because I ask you? And the Lord asks us the same thing. So ask yourself, how much would I suffer? How much would I be harmed if I gave a dime off a dollar to the Lord's service? And if the answer is, I might be mildly inconvenienced, but no harm would come to me and I would not legitimately suffer, then isn't it possible or likely that God is saying to you, trust me so generously and watch what I do with it. He will take it and he will multiply it 10, 100, or 1,000 times for his glory. But that people in India or Peru or somewhere like that might thank God because of your generosity. God gets glory, but it's credited to you as righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for families bringing their children to you and saying, not only do we dedicate our child to the service and the, the, the word and admonition of the Lord, but we trust the Lord with our child. Lord, may it be true of us that we trust ourselves with you too. We trust our lives to the Lord. Lord, the piece we're talking about right now is the resources, the money, but there's so much more.
when next week, as we prepare to hear the parable of the talents, I pray that you remind us each that there's the worldwide vision, there's the regional vision, and then there's the personal vision as well. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you. I know I say this every week, but it's just a reminder that that's a look on God's face. God turn his face toward you and smile at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ. And those who were, who family had children baptized, don't forget your certificates, your Bibles, and your boxes.